You are listening to the Retirement Lifestyle Advocates radio program. I am your host, Dennis Tubergen. Hope you and yours are enjoying a happy Thanksgiving Day weekend. You know, in this segment, I want to talk about uncertainty and maybe talk a bit about how to capitalize on uncertainty. There's no shortage of uncertainty today. And on today's program, I'm going to ignore what's going on politically. I'm going to ignore uh, a bit, to some extent, what's going on in certain financial markets like gold and silver. We often talk about metals on the program. Today, I want to zero in on retirement planning and pensions, and I want to zero in on housing. So in the first and fourth segments of today's program, that's what I'll be talking about. Joining me in the second and third segments of today's program is first-time guest, Mr. Ed Butowski. Uh, Ed uh, is a very bright guy. He actually developed the Chapwood Index. And if you're a longtime listener to the program, you've heard me talk about the Chapwood Index in the past The Chapwood Index is an alternate private index that tracks the rate of inflation. And as Ed will share with us, back in 2004, he became very aware that the government's official calculation of the inflation rate, the Consumer Price Index, didn't work very well to track the true rate of inflation. So he developed an index that actually tracks the price of 500 different consumer items in 50 different metropolitan areas across the country. And he has a team of people that he assembled in each of these 50 metropolitan areas, and they go out and price check every six months. Certainly, that seems to be a better way to calculate the inflation rate. I know you're going to enjoy uh, my conversation with Ed, and we'll talk to him also about... Uh, what he's suggesting people consider uh, in their personal finances as well. You know, if you're not yet using our Retirement Lifestyle Advocates app, you can go to the Retirement Lifestyle Advocates website at retirementlifestyleadvocates.com and download the app or listen to the podcast version of this program there. My weekly market update webinars are also posted there as well as the weekly newsletter that I published titled Portfolio Watch. So I would, again, encourage you to take advantage of those resources as well. You know, I want to talk a bit about pensions in this segment. And along with that, the topic that goes hand in hand is planning for your retirement. Now, a gentleman by the name of Ted Seidel commented on this this past week in an interview that he did with Adam Taggart. Now, many of you will recognize Adam Taggart as the business partner of Dr. Chris Martinson, who is a past guest on this program. And Mr. Seidel is a former SEC attorney, Securities and Exchange Commission attorney. He has testified on pension abuse before the Senate Banking Committee. He also secured the largest SEC whistleblower award in history of $48 million. So, Mr. Seidel comes at this particular topic with a very unique perspective and a very unique background. This is what he said. We are on the precipice of the greatest retirement crisis in the history of the world. 
Those are strong words. He goes on to say, and that makes perfect sense because, first of all, we have the largest elderly population in the history of the world. Just focusing on the United States, our elderly are woefully unprepared to retire. And in the decades to come, we will witness millions of elderly Americans, baby boomers and others, slipping into poverty. Too frail to work, too poor to retire will become the new normal for many elderly Americans. And certainly this may affect people not only who are doing their retirement planning through 401ks and IRAs, and I'll talk about some resources that we are making available on the radio program for the first time today in just a moment. These are free resources. But this is also the case for many people who are thinking they're going to collect a pension during retirement. Now, public pensions, meaning pensions that are sponsored by states and municipalities for their employees, uh, many are really underfunded, as I'll talk about in a minute, and corporate pension funds are in the whole, collectively, about $50 billion. Now, just in case you are thinking you're going to get a pension from the state, 2020 has been very hard on pension funding. Many states, due to declining tax revenues, are not able to fund their pensions to the extent that they otherwise would have been able to fund them. Going into 2020, many state pensions were already significantly underfunded. If you take a state like Kentucky, Kentucky's pension plan for their retirees is only 34% funded. New Jersey, 36% funded. Illinois, 38% funded. Here's the reality. With these pension plans being funded slightly more than a third, maybe approaching 40 cents out of every dollar, the reality is that one of two things is going to happen. One, promised pension benefits will not be paid. Now, there is precedent for this in the city of Detroit. When the city of Detroit declared bankruptcy, general employees of the city of Detroit who were retired took a pension cut. This has happened many places across the country as municipalities declared bankruptcy. Now, 20 states in all saw pension plans that were less than two-thirds funded. Five states have pensions that are less than 50% funded. Now, a few highlights. The state of Michigan's pension plan is funded to 65%, Arizona 62%, California 69%, Florida 79%. The best funding? Well, Wisconsin is funded 103%. South Dakota, a state that seems to have it all figured out, 100% and Tennessee right behind them at 97%. Now, why is all this pension underfunding occurring? Well, one of the reasons is that the Federal Reserve has been pursuing a near-zero interest rate policy for a very long time. See, if you're managing a pension fund, you are obligated to be prudent. You're 
obligated to be conservative in the way you invest pension assets. You don't want to take a lot of risk because there are retirees and aspiring retirees who are looking to get that pension to help them make ends meet during retirement. And maybe even more that, to help them do what they always dreamed to do while they were retired. Well, this zero interest rate policy has forced many pension managers into highly risky investments that arguably they should not be in. And many of these pensions are in much better shape today because of what stocks have done. And if you take a look at what bonds have done, as interest rates have fallen, bond funds have also rallied. However, interest rates can't drop a whole lot more. That means bonds can't rally a whole lot more. Stocks are extremely overvalued. John Hussman, who is a very respected analyst, said, Taking a look at these traditional type investments, it's his view that you could see a 0% return over the next dozen years and take into account the fact that if stocks crash, these pensions now become very underfunded and perhaps they even collapse. And you know, if you're managing assets in an IRA or 401k, the whole idea of a market correction in stocks and bonds, which are the traditional assets that people tend to hold in these types of investments, could mean that you experience drawdown as well. Now, if you have not yet determined, at least from an historical perspective, what your drawdown risk is and where you sit as far as planning for your own retirement, your own future, where maybe you hope to be financially independent, I'd like to offer you some resources today. Uh, we have an Essential Reports group that you can get for free by visiting myessentialreports.com. And when you go there and request the reports, we'll get some very basic generic information from you. And we will share with you what your drawdown analysis is, what your drawdown risk is, I should say. We'll share with you some ideas to potentially offer you a tax-advantaged retirement. We will share with you the best ways to perhaps maximize your Social Security benefits. These reports are being offered for free. Uh, all you have to do is visit myessentialreports.com and request them. And as I said, we will get some generic information from you, but we never request specific personal information, nor should you share that information with anyone. These reports are designed to help you assess where you are now and give you some ideas to consider moving ahead. So I would encourage you to request those reports. You can do so again by visiting myessentialreports.com. The website again, myessentialreports.com. I'll be back after these words with my special guest this week, Ed Butowski. Welcome back to RLA Radio. I'm your host, Dennis Tubergen. 
Joining me on today's program is first-time guest, Mr. Ed Butowski. Uh, Ed is the developer of the Chapwood Index, and we have certainly referenced that index here on the program in the past. He is the managing partner at Chapwood Investments, and he is the author of Wealth Mismanagement. You can learn more about his work at chapwoodindex.com. And Ed, welcome to the program. Very much a pleasure to talk with you and have you on. Well, thank you very much. So, Ed, let's just start. Um, explain, if you would, uh, what was your motivation in developing the Chapwood Index? Yes, and, and I developed it mainly uh, as a result of a conversation I had with my mother. Uh, when I got into the investment management business, I didn't know anything about COLA, the cost of living adjustment. And my mother, when I sat down with her before she passed away, she had uh, revealed to me that my father didn't set up her alimony for COLA. And I, I sat there and, and literally was dumbfounded because I thought she drank tab. Um, and, and I didn't know what she meant by COLA. And after she passed away, I started looking into it and realized that this was a major issue that is misinterpreted or misquoted. Uh, and it started back in 1983 and 84 when they started to change the way they calculated the CPI. So the cost of living adjustment that the government makes for checks that go out and transfer payments from the government also has a negative implication to those that are in the private sector whose salary increases are tied to the CPI. And so I, I decided when I met John Williams, who you mentioned you've had on the show before, um, I talked to him once and I said, why aren't you breaking this down city by city? Because every city has a different cost of living increase. And, and it's not the cost of living that's the issue because everybody knows what the cost of living is. It's the increase that kills people. So when you start looking at these checks that are written for or increases in salaries from uh, the people who are middle income and lower income, they get salary increases based on a thumbs up or thumbs down from somebody above them who decide that they're going to get an increase of 5% or 3%, and they usually tie it to the CPI. Well, right now, the CPI is almost non-existent. It's almost, what is it, 1% right now? And, yeah, 1.3%, I think, is the cost of living adjustment for Social Security recipients for 2021. And and so think about that. That if Do you really believe your cost of living is only going up by 1.3%? And it's not. It's not at all. So I spoke to John about doing it on a city by city basis. And he just, you know, decided that he had too much work and which he does, he does a lot of good work um, and focuses on things other than the CPI um, as well, not focuses, but does things other than the CPI uh, adjustment. So I set out to create a, a, a pool of people through Facebook who every twice a year, they go out and get prices for me and we calculate the price increase, and I have people in every major city that does this for me. So let's just, uh, I've got so many questions for you, Ed, but let's just take a look at what, what, what kind of items um, are you measuring? So when you've got all your 
I'll call them the army of people you have all across the country. When they go out and check prices, uh, what, what items are they price checking? Well, just about everything. Um, you know, anything that we use on a day-to-day basis um, is what they, they look at. Um, so, you know, you're looking at soap, you're looking at toothpaste, you're looking at food, um, your, you know, the Starbucks, movie tickets, hairspray, oil changes, car washes, things that you use on a day-to-day basis. So, Ed, when you compare the rate of inflation uh, using the Chapwood Index, which, by the way, seems like a common sense way to calculate inflation. What did this stuff cost a year ago? What does it cost today? What's the percentage increase? That's the real inflation rate. So when you compare the inflation rate that you are seeing um, on a rough average versus the 1.3% that the Consumer Price Index uh, calculates the inflation rate to be, what kind of difference are you seeing? Well, it depends on the city, um, but the cities in California um, are about 13% a year over year because that's when you include your electric bill and your food costs and oil um, and and all of the things that are included are you get to about 13% a year, which is 12% higher than the CPI. Just out of curiosity, what, what part of the country, I, I guess I would guess the Midwest probably is, is going to be a little more tame, but what is the, 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 the best uh, city to live in in the country as far as measuring the inflation rate? Uh, Taos, New Mexico. So, when you go back and take a look, you mentioned, Ed, in the, in the early to mid-80s, 83, 84, that initially changes were made to make the reported inflation rate look more favorable. And obviously, as you indicated, government benefits, uh, many government benefits and, and, and payouts are tied to the inflation rate. So there's obviously a vested interest from a cost-saving standpoint to, to make the inflation rate look more favorable. What are some of the key changes that have been made uh, to how the inflation rate or how the CPI is calculated? Well, it's, there's three main methods that they adjusted, and one of them is taking uh, the product itself and, re- and saying that you, know, you could have steak, but instead of having steak, you'll have a burger, and instead... Um, that's one of the main things that they do, but they also, you know, take things out of the basket. There used to be 1,700 items that they calculated uh, every single month, and then they changed the way those, that basket of items was calculated. Uh, coming into 1983, they made a major change from those 1,700 items. So this way, they could make that number lower, so they didn't have to pay out as much money in. Uh, cost of living increases. So when you take a look at what the real impact is, let's take a look at someone in, you know, the, in in California where the, uh, the, the, the real inflation rate is 12% higher than the reported inflation rate. That means every, every six or seven years, their, their cost of living actually is going to double um, that makes it really, really difficult to to plan for retirement, given that, you know, you've got maybe 30 years of retirement, depending on when you retire. So 
Um, how does someone actually protect themselves from that or, or maybe even deal with it in your view? What kind of advice do you give people? Well, I'll tell you, it's a really difficult thing because the real conversation is you can't retire. Most people cannot afford to retire. And that's why so many people leave the state because I, I coined a, a term called taxflation a number of years ago in an article. And taxes are the main culprit because when a city increases taxes, it trickles down to the end user. And ultimately, it trickles down to the people of California. And in San Francisco, when they increase uh, a tax there, it ultimately is paid for by the citizens of San Francisco. And uh, so tell me, you know, you know, you can't tell me that they're not increasing taxes in San Francisco and San Jose and Oakland uh, to pay for all of their programs that they have uh, for the residents. So it, it has a tremendous ripple effect. And, and these are people who pay their taxes, who, who do exactly what they're supposed to do. And their increases are so small that every year they're falling further and further behind. So they might get an increase of, let's say, 3% when their real cost of living goes up, let's say, 12 Well, over a five-year period, they've lost 45% purchasing power. Well, if you're just joining us, we're chatting today with Mr. Ed Butowski. Ed is the uh, author of Wealth Mismanagement. He is the developer of the Chapwood Index and the managing partner at Chapwood Investments. You can learn more about his work at chapwoodindex.com. I'd encourage you to check it out. Ed, you know, when you, when you look at just inflation itself, I mean, the, the Federal Reserve policy now, uh, you know, in 2020, uh, more money um, has been created. I think the fiat, uh, fiat money supply has increased by 65%, according to Alistair McLeod, who was on the program last week. Um, when you take a look at all this money printing, that in and of itself is a tax on savers and investors. Would you agree? Absolutely. It, it depreciates the value of the dollar. And about 60% of what we use in this country comes from outside the U.S. So when you look at the actual things that you purchased, clothing and, uh, you know, autos are probably not as good an idea of that. But a lot of food comes from outside the United States. So the value of the dollar depreciating, you know, you have to hope that whatever countries we're buying from, their dollar is depreciating as well or their currency is to match it. Um, but it's definitely a tax on everybody when the cost of the dollar goes down because of the printing of money. So I'd just be curious, Ed, if you have an idea of what this end game might look like, because if you take a look around the world now, every central bank is literally creating money. So when you look at the dollar index, which measures the purchasing power of the dollar against the major trading partners of the U.S., I mean, you've got this race to the bottom going on as far as uh, – currency devaluation. Do you have a sense as to, to how this ends and, and maybe when, if that's a fair question? Well, I'll tell you, it is a race to the bottom. In fact, they just announced uh, this weekend that it looks like they're going to have to print more money and have another quantitative easing, which um, is not good for anybody. Um, so it, it is a race to the bottom. And I don't know how it ends, but I know it's going to end in an ugly way. That's for sure. 
Well, my guest today is Mr. Ed Butowski. He is the author of Wealth Mismanagement. We'll talk to him about that in the next segment. Uh, you can learn more about his work at chapwoodindex.com. Ed and I will be back after these words. I'm Dennis Tuberg, and you are listening to RLA Radio. My guest today is Mr. Ed Butowski. Uh, Ed is the author of Wealth Mismanagement. He is the developer of the Chapwood Index, which is a uh, widely used now measure of inflation. And uh, he is also a managing partner at Chapwood Investments. The website to learn more about Ed and his work is chapwoodindex.com. And... Uh, Ed, just out of curiosity, I didn't ask you this, but how many years ago did you develop the Chapwood Index? I started it back in 2004. Okay. Well, it is widely uh, widely used and widely quoted by uh, many of the newsletter authors that I interview, so uh, quite an accomplishment. So let's shift gears a minute here and talk a bit about your book, Wealth Mismanagement. Tell us a little bit about the premise of the book. Well, the idea is that I, I've been a financial advisor for 33 years, which is unbelievable. Um, but I realized that most firms and most financial advisors are building investment portfolios for their clients that are inefficient and are not what people need. And they have a very difficult time interpreting what this collection of investments that they get from their financial advisor is all about. You know, we we oftentimes in our field talk in a language that most people don't understand and they just trust you. And those days should be long gone. They should be held accountable for what it is that they're giving to their clients. So one of the issues I found was that people uh, were not willing to accept the volatility that they get in a portfolio. Um, and the other major issue was the cost of living increase, that people were being built portfolios that did not get them the kind of rate of return they needed after they subtracted taxes and expenses and their cost of living adjustment. And, and I, I purposely didn't use CPI because CPI is not a good measure of your real cost of living adjustment. So the wealth mismanagement is a little bit about how I got there. Uh, the first couple of chapters are the history of uh, how I got into this business and my view of it, and always feeling uncomfortable that we were pushing products and, and investments that the firms wanted us to represent. But when you looked at the portfolios that you had, and the compliance people's job was to overlook what the portfolios that you put together looked like. Um, and, and did they make sense for the client? Most people in the compliance areas didn't have any idea on how to interpret what it is that we were doing for our clients. They just looked and said, okay, you have stocks and you have bonds and this is the person's age. But that's not how the business works. And I wrote this book, Wealth Management, to highlight the fallacy of people who work at a well-named firm like Morgan Stanley or Goldman Sachs or Merrill Lynch or UBS 
and thinking that because they work at those firms, there's this oversight where they're going to have a portfolio that's appropriate for them. And that's really why I did it. It's really my way of getting back at my industry, even though I love my industry, but getting back in my industry for not training people properly. You know, Ed, when you were talking, you used the term volatility. And I think, uh, you know, so so many people, when they're approaching retirement, uh, they just do what they did in their 401k all these years without, you know, compensating or making allowances for potential volatility. And, you know, earlier this year in 2020, it's a perfect example. When, when the market declines 35%, it takes about a, you know, 51, 52% gain to get back to even. So, um, you know, that that's a, a big risk that a lot of people face. And a lot of times that is not accounted for in a portfolio. No. And if you were to ask most people this question, I encourage anyone listening uh, to do this with their current financial advisor, ask them if they had a portfolio with a historical rate of return of 10, what should your standard deviation be? And in our business, standard deviation is the same thing as volatility. And the answer should be eight or lower. And if your advisor answers that question properly, then you can actually go um, on the Chapwood site and put in your current holdings and figure out exactly what the historical volatility is. And I guarantee you that most portfolios have historical standard deviations that are about 150% of their historical rate of return, meaning that if they had a rate of return of 10, their standard deviation is about 15, which is significantly higher than 80% of your historical rate of return. it's a, it's a real problem, and most people in my industry don't understand how to manage risk, although they look their client right in the eye and tell them that they care about them, they care about the risk that they're taking, but they don't do it in, in uh, practice. So, Ed, for our listeners that are not familiar with standard deviation and what a standard deviation of 8 versus 15 is, can you give them a quick uh you know, standard deviation uh, at a basic level as far as an explanation goes? Sure. A standard deviation has to do with how much volatility or how much variance you have from the historical rate of return. So if you had a rate of return of 10 and a standard deviation of 15, you're looking at a range of returns between plus 40 and minus 20, which means that you're willing to accept anything between minus 20 and plus 40 at, at any given time, even though it averaged 10%. So you could have years where you had a minus 18, a minus 17 in succession. That's too big a volatility. So you want that volatility to be lower. You want it to be, let's say, 0.8% or 80% of your historical rate of return. So your return is between plus 26 and minus six. That's much more palatable than having the 10 and 15. So when you take a look at um, hedging for inflation or investing in such a way as to attempt to keep pace with inflation, uh, when you take a look at the investment options that people who are retiring today have, I mean, it wasn't that many years ago. We can both remember when, you know, you could get six, seven, eight percent on a very safe investment like a CD. Those days are gone. So what kind of advice are you giving people these days? Well, it's, it's difficult because the education is the most important part. 
because most people need to have alternatives in their portfolio. Uh, when I say alternatives, I'm talking about hedge funds. I'm talking about having gold and silver and, uh, and even diamonds in their portfolio. Uh, and now it used to be that these were reserved for the wealthiest people and for institutions and foundations. But now most people can gain access to investments very similar to them without having to go into a hedge fund. There's hedge fund replications that they can go into, and there's ETFs that replicate managed futures, for instance, and long short equity. So they can get into these, but it's mathematically impossible to have an efficient portfolio without having alternatives in your portfolio. And the days that you could get 6% on a CD, one of the things that's interesting to note is that the reason you could get 6% was because the stated CPI was around 5%. So there was very little difference between the CPI and what you could get on a short-term CD. The reason you could get a nice rate of return on a short-term CD was because the government's inflation rate was that high. Well, we are chatting today with Mr. Ed Butowski. He is the founder uh, or developer of the Chapwood Index. He's the managing partner at Chapwood Investments and the author of Wealth Mismanagement. Uh, you can learn more about Ed and his work at chapwoodindex.com. So, Ed, when you take a look at Fed policy today, um, do you see that the actual inflation rate moving ahead using the Chapwood Index is going to have to go higher? Well, it, it should, but they continue to manipulate it so it stays lower. Um, and this is a – I can't underscore how, how horrible this is for middle-income and lower-income individuals, um, which represent a huge part of our population because most of their salaries are adjusted for the CPI. And as long as the government keeps that rate lower, then people are going to get salary increases that – are far lower than what they need in order to keep and maintain their standard of living. Uh, it, it's devastating. So Fed policy is one where they continue to print money, which they'll continue to do and do even more so over the next uh, couple of years, given the new administration that's coming in. And because of that, you're going to see this in real inflation go higher, but it's going to be tampered down by the um, by, by the manipulation of the CPI. So you have these cities in California now that are, you know, double-digit inflation when you look at your, your basket of, of 500 items. How high do you see that going potentially? Care to make a prediction? I would, I would hate to. Um, it's scary, and, and it's scary for all the people that live in, in those cities. And it's not just there. It's also uh, New York and Chicago um, you, you have a number of cities where, um, where inflation is or the cost of living increase is far greater. I mean, Chicago, five-year average is 11.1. New York is 11.9. Uh, Philadelphia is 11. And, and these are real numbers. These are numbers that everybody needs to be aware of. And this is why and if you live in those cities, why every day you feel like you're getting further behind, even though you're paying your bills, you're paying your taxes and doing everything right. But this is why people, I was kid that when people get older, the Christmas gifts they give get worse. Um, and, and I remember very well 
that, you know, that it was a year where I would get a hundred dollars, you know, from my parents and then it was 50 and then I just got a card. Um, and it's because of this, and this is a huge reason why we see us borrowing so much more money than we used to and why people, and it's because there's so many programs that are needed out there to keep people being able to feed them. But, you know, this is, you know, we're talking about the, the core reason why there's so much depression and so much, so many problems with people making ends meet as they get older. Well, the clock tells me, Ed, we're going to have to leave it there. My guest today has been Mr. Ed Butowski. He is the author of Wealth Mismanagement, available at Amazon. He is the developer of the Chapwood Index and managing partner at Chapwood Investments. Uh, Ed, very much enjoyed our conversation today. Love to have you back down the road. I would love to. Thank you very much. We will return after these words. I'm Dennis Tubergen. You are listening to RLA Radio. Welcome back. Hope you and yours have had a great Thanksgiving week. And I want to start this segment by again reminding those who might just be joining us that if you'd like to assess where you are as far as your ability to retire, what your retirement income plan might look like, what your drawdown risk might be uh, based on the fact that certainly in uh, many respected analyst views, including mine, markets, both stock and bond markets, tend to be overvalued at this point. If you want just another perspective, we're offering some free reports on this week's program. Uh, we call it the Essential Reports Group, and you, you can request these free reports by going to myessentialreports.com. Uh, the Essential Reports Group consists of a fee and drawdown analysis on your investments. It includes uh, an analysis of the best ways to collect your Social Security benefits. Also includes some strategies that you might want to consider and may be eligible for to get a tax-advantaged retirement. To prepare the reports, we need just a bit of generic information. We never ask for personal information, nor should you share that information with anyone but you can request the reports, as I said, at myessentialreports.com. We also have some free resources available at our website, retirementlifestyleadvocates.com. Since nobody cares as much about your money as you do, we have resources on the website for you to access, and I would encourage you to go there and uh, check it out. So on today's program, I'm talking about uncertainty. And in the first segment, I talked about the fact that pensions are underfunded and those who are investing traditionally in IRAs and 401ks, I believe, uh, are looking at exposing themselves to a fair amount of risk. Well, there's another interesting phenomenon going on, something that's developed this year. 2020 certainly has been an interesting year for new pastimes. And Zillow surfing has now become a new national pastime. Now, I'm sure most of you are familiar with Zillow, which is a real estate website that allows you to take a look at listings and sold properties and properties for rent. 
And Zillow usage has literally gone through the roof. Number of visitors online to Zillow is up 50% year over year. There are group chats. There is Zillow Twitter. There is a website called Curbed, which is a website covering city life, real estate, and design. And Curbed recently started a column called My Week in Zillow Saves, in which people go online and share the homes that they've admired on the site. And even teenagers are getting in on the act. It's really popular, and uh, a lot of teenagers are taking a look at their friend's house or maybe their love interest's house online before they visit it. So when life changes and arguably becomes miserable, people like to daydream about something better, and Zillow surfing allows them to do that. However, they're not just daydreaming. Many, many people are taking action. This seems like a really odd time to have a housing boom, but that's exactly where we find ourselves. We have the COVID-19 situation. We have no shortage of civil unrest, which we're seeing in many large cities. Uh, We are experiencing an economic downturn that arguably is the worst thing we've seen since the 1930s. But despite all that, home sales are absolutely through the roof. So what's going on? Well, as big city life becomes less attractive, as people are looking for more space because they're going to spend more time at home, as people are looking for homes that have home offices because they're now working for home, there are many, many people that are relocating. Now, according to ABC News, assuming we can believe them, the chaotic, the chaotic advance of 2020 have caused millions of Americans to relocate In New York City alone, more than 300,000 former residents have permanently moved to new addresses. Now, we've never seen anything quite like this before, and it's expected this trend will continue into 2021, and it seems overwhelmingly that many Americans are simply looking to get out of big cities while they can So even though we're in the middle of an economic downturn, which is worse than it needed to be due to self-inflicted wounds, homes are still selling like like hotcakes. According to the National Association of Realtors, home prices are now, because of demand, up 16% over one year ago. Obviously, this makes it a seller's market And at the current pace of sales, there's only two and a half months of inventory on the market, which is a record low. So now is a really good time to sell property. But then there is the conundrum of trying to find a new place. In the Midwest, single-family homes, I should say construction of single-family homes, is up 8.6% year-to-date. And most of these new housing starts are occurring in low-density markets. In other words, markets with 
uh, a lower population, more rural and suburban markets, and that certainly is the trend. So certainly things are changing. Certainly this market, uh, you cannot have a housing market that will in have prices increase 16% year after year after year. Uh, this is certainly driven also by record low interest rates and the fact that it's easy to get financing with a very small down payment. These are all the ingredients of a bubble. So if you're thinking about selling your home, now is a great time to do so. And if you can figure out how to wait a little bit and sit on the cash you get from selling your home, you might want to consider buying at some point down the road. We are living in very uncertain times, and certainly, without a doubt, that uncertainty will exist for the immediate future. To help you navigate this, we do have a set of reports that we would like to offer everyone listening to today's program. To get these reports that are free, we just need some generic information to prepare them for you. All you have to do is go to myessentialreports.com. The website, again, myessentialreports.com. I'd also point you to our Retirement Lifestyle Advocates website at retirementlifestyleadvocates.com. There are a lot of resources there as well. Again, to get the reports, myessentialreports.com. That's all the time I have for this week. I will be back next week. Hope you have a great week. 